And welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. Today is a really exciting interview. So exciting. We are joined by Ed Casagrande and Matt McNeil from the Canadian Down Syndrome Society. The Canadian Down Syndrome Society has this amazing initiative called Project Understood. Project Understood is a collaboration between the Canadian Down Syndrome Society and Google AI. And they're creating a database that can help train Google's speech recognition technology to better understand people with Down syndrome. And what I want to do is I want to give a, just a huge kudos to Google for being the front runner on this. Because when you have a major corporation that steps up and makes you part of the conversation then you become part of the conversation. And I think that's what we want. We want to be heard. We want our children to be heard. We want our community to be heard. And they are literally making it possible for us to be heard and understood. It's, it's inclusion at its, its finest point. It's, it's what we fight for in society, in education, and now Google has teamed up with the Canadian Down Syndrome Society to say, we're going to give you that support so you are part of the conversation. And it's been long awaited and should be celebrated. And so uh, thank you, Google, because I, I hope many follow in your footsteps. An actual part of our uh, speech therapy training that we do with Liam, you know, we try to incorporate fun little games, is we work with our home virtual assistant and work with Liam to do um, commands. And when it actually understands him or he gets it to work, it, we always celebrate it. Yeah. So we're so we're looking forward to this technology and we can't wait to learn more about it. You know, speech recognition is something I use on a daily basis in my life with texting or even email. And it's really nice to think that this is something that our kids will be able to use in the future. Both of our kids. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get started. Ed and Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Us. Maybe we could talk a little bit first, uh, if you could just introduce yourselves. Can we start with you, Ed? If you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got involved in uh, in this project. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Ed Casagrande. I'm the chair uh, of the board for the Canadian Down Syndrome Society. I've been on the board for just over five years and joined the board just after the birth of my daughter, Emma, who's now six. Emma has Down syndrome along, and I have two other boys, Peter, who's eight, Tommy, who's four. I have a marketing background and felt I could bring some of that communications and marketing background to the board or to the, the Canadian Down syndrome society in terms of raising awareness on some uh, key issues and opportunities and uh, hopefully change some public perception. Thank you. And Matt? Awesome. My name is Matt McNeil. I'm also part of Canadian Down Syndrome Society. I'm also the um, South IBC Committee Chair and also called VADA. 
we helped Canadian Down Syndrome Society a lot of stuff with the Valley Group. Yeah, as self-advocates, you know, Matt and his team provide, obviously, great insights uh, for us, especially when we're trying to create, you know, awareness campaigns and really understanding real-life challenges and opportunities uh, that someone with Down syndrome would face. And while we have, you know, many people with Down syndrome in our lives, it's great to get that firsthand information from self-advocates. So Matt is the chair of the VADA group which is uh, Voices at the Table for Advocacy. It's our self-advocate group at the Canadian Down Syndrome Society. And I know you've both done so much for the Canadian Down Syndrome Society, but today we'll talk specifically about Project Understood, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that project. Yeah, so for the past four years, the Canadian Down Syndrome Society puts out a, a major awareness campaign uh, during the first week of November, and that coincides with Canadian Down Syndrome Week. We start the process on trying to tackle some, you know, real situations, opportunities, real life scenarios. You know, we've focused in the past in terms of handling some of the myths when it comes to Down syndrome, um, you know, providing resources, uh, you know, speaking to some of the um, the limitations to to support for people with Down syndrome. So we, you know, we kind of, we, we tend to tackle different issues over the years. So early in 2019, we sat down, you know, and, and started discussing, you know, what should we be focusing on? So we reached out to the VADA group, so Voices at the Table for Advocacy. And, you know, we just had dialogue to understand, you know, what, what should we be focusing on? What are some real life opportunities, challenges that, that you're going through? And what came up in those discussions a lot was accessibility. You know, the, the frustrations of not being able to do something uh, because of X, Y, and Z. And while we continue to have those discussions, you know, technology kept coming up and how some of the challenges around technology where, you know, it's meant to, to make things easier, but in fact, for some, it, it makes things a little bit harder. You know, we have a, a great communications partner, uh, FCB, um, who have offices around the world, but we, we deal with the FCB Canada uh, team uh, who's been working with us over the years to come up with these projects. So when we, when we landed on accessibility and then, you know, through the discussions, technology, and then it evolved to voice technology and, with someone with different speech patterns, there are even more challenges. Like, you know, we, a, a typical person experiences challenges with, with voice technology, you know, when you're speaking into your whatever device you have. And, you know, sometimes it comes back saying something totally different than what you've, uh, what you said. So, you know, just picture that happening more often with someone with Down syndrome. So, you know, we were in this area for voice technology. So then, you know, the team kind of went off and kind of did some research and came across uh, an initiative that Google AI is doing called Project Euphonia, where, you know, they were looking at speech impairments, uh, you know, different speech patterns with the ALS community. And, you know, they were just at the, you know, looking at their technology with those speech patterns. So we approached them with the idea of, um, you know, bringing Down syndrome as part of the, the scope of this project. And from there, you know, that, that sparked the discussions and, and, and let, you know, brought us to this campaign where we were recruiting people with Down syndrome to log into uh, projectunderstood.ca to provide voice samples in order to, you know, strengthen the voice technology uh, with Google. 
And so you were talking about coming up with the idea during uh, Canadian Down Syndrome Week. When is that, by the way? Yeah, so it happens every year, November 1st. So basically for the, fir- the first week in November is uh, Canadian Down Syndrome Week. So we like to uh, – we typically put out a, a larger awareness campaign to coincide with that. So we launched Project Understood um, November 1st, 2019. That's amazing. And you had mentioned FCB. I just want to clarify what that was. So FCB is a is a large advertising communications firm. Uh, they have various offices throughout the world. We connected with them in, in Toronto about five years ago, um, given that you know my again, my background in, in marketing communications, and uh, you know felt that you know there's a great opportunity to again, raise awareness on some key issues and opportunities as it relates to Down syndrome and, you know, with the with the hopes of, of changing overall public perception. So, yeah, FCB has been a great partner throughout this whole process. Well, it's a brilliant idea. I mean, it's a, it's it's just wonderful. I, I wonder, um, I know, didn't you guys fly to California and, and get a, a tour of some things? How did, how did things look? Yeah, well, Matt, what, what did you, what were your, some of your impressions when we went to California? Most of you I was so impressed how it uh, looked at Google HQ. Um, I can't say enough. I'm speechless, really. Yeah, but it, there, you know, it was great to see uh, such an inviting environment. You know, obviously yeah, exactly. much warmer weather than what we were used to at that time of year. Um, but it was just great to speak to, um, you know, some of the folks that are that are involved in this project because because prior to that. All the conversations were obviously over the phone, and you know we we started going down the path of of, of doing some tests to see whether or not some from some voice samples from people with Down syndrome would be able to strengthen the the technology and, and have that you know the voice technology learn from that. So we did a small test, and Matt was part of the the group that did the test uh, prior to going to California. And then when we went to California, you know we we did find out that okay we can you know this. There is learning when when we're able to provide voice samples uh, from people with Down syndrome, and Matt did some more recordings down there. Met the team and really kind of put the path in place to begin recruiting people for this project. And for this AI to work, for Project Understood to really come into fruition, we need donated voices, correct? Yeah, uh, you know, to date we have just over 600 voices of people donated. Matt, can you speak to some of the phrases that you had to had to say as part of the uh, the project? So I remembered was like, I like a yo-yo today. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There was a whole bunch of sentences that people with Down syndrome would would record. In fact, one I guess I guess to complete your the the project for one person, that it's, it's 1,700 phrases. So that's a lot of phrases that could be completed obviously over multiple sittings. Yeah. So having 600 people, you know, participate where it's a big time commitment where you have to record 1700 phrases is a, is a big undertaking. We're just thrilled the the success to date. So, you know, it was really much a, a an awareness campaign in terms of, you know, participate in this project so that we can get ahead of the curve in terms of trying to shape voice technology because you know as we all know voice will replace the keyboard when it comes to 
triggering the internet or technology or, or what have you. So instead of playing catch up or instead of not being able to take advantage of the of that technology, uh, we felt that this is great that we can help shape the technology so that it's usable to our community. Well, that is a big time commitment, but I think of it as like when you want to record your thumbprint on an iPhone, you have to do it several times and move your thumb around. And so this gets lets the AI really get a real sample of your voice and your different phrases. There's so many different phrases and sounds in in the human voice. Through this project, what have you seen? What have you learned from this project just personally? For me, first and foremost, the dependence of technology, not only for a typical person, but with someone with Down syndrome, if you look at someone like Matt, he relies on his phone and the internet for you know scheduling work and appointments and and communicating. So if a person like Matt isn't doesn't have the accessibility to use the technology, then it's it's very difficult. So you know technology is supposed to be an equalizer. So the inputs to that technology needs to be workable for for everyone so just i've learned that because we rely on technology so much that those who can't use it the same as some others you really see the gap there well i can understand that as a dad that what i want for my child's future and and matt i see this as being something that is going to be able to be used uh, for you as well i'm assuming that there's really no timeline of this but depending on how many people we can get to donate their voices it's going to dictate uh, how long it takes for this technology to come out? Yeah, and, you know, we're just at the, you know, this is, I think there's lots to go when it comes to voice technology because, you know, we're just speaking English language, right? So there's all different languages out there, different speech patterns within communities. So, like, there's there's lots to do still when it comes to voice technology in general. And, again, we're just speaking in relation to Google, but there are many other platforms out there. So, it's not something that, you know, it's going to be ready six months from now. It's just part of the, the long process. And, you know, we're just thrilled to be a part of it uh, at this stage of the, of the process. And we all want that tech to work better for everyone. And I think you're getting a lot of input from typical voices into AI all the time. So this is fantastic to have a select group like, like a group that we're so passionate about to be able to input those voices. Now, is it presently just English that's being uh, recorded? Yeah, right now it's English speaking and 18 years and older. That's criteria. Got it. Now I'll put links in the show notes of everything that people would need to donate their voice, but maybe you could just give the details of how someone that's interested in participating in this project could go ahead and do it. Yeah. So, you know, you would go to our website, projectunderstood.ca. There you'll see a very clear description of the project and, and you know the steps involved in the project. Step one is, is clicking the Donate Your Voice button you know, to complete an interest form. You'll get an email from Google where you start recording some preliminary phrases. And then they take those preliminary phrases to see whether or not the technology is able to um, learn from that. And if so then you're getting the full login and uh, you're recording the, the phrases. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about your experience when you when you logged in and recorded the phrases? Anything you wanted to share with that? In the beginning, when I started doing my recordings, I like to like, read it over before I recorded it because if I know what to say, what not to say, and how to uh, make sure my voice is clear enough 
so Mike Greer can pick up my voice. So, yeah. Yeah, and we've heard some uh, instances where, you know, um, someone would have someone helping them in terms of, you know, perhaps if, if they weren't able to to hear or read the phrase, someone would read it to them, and then they would... Uh, um, Maybe repeat it right after. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's flexible that way. But like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a longer process in terms of, you know, 1,700 phrases is a lot. Well, how long did it take you again, Matt, to do the it 700? It took me almost two and a half days. And you were going like all out all the time with it. You know, we've heard some instances where, you know, they've spread it out over a week or two. So, you know, it's, it's you can pick up where you left off and, and come back and forth as much as you want. Yeah. But projectunderstood.ca is the first step. Is the information that Google's receiving are they able to apply that as they go, or is it kind of upon completion that they'll be able to create a system? It's apply as you go. So it's just, you know, the, the, the technology is always learning. It, it learns or it learns best through repetition and, and quantity. So, yeah, there isn't like a set number that we're waiting to, to, to hit before we, you know, then teach the technology to, to recognize all that. It's just, it's ongoing. Since you've begun this project, is there anything that you've learned that has changed what you think about or how you're creating the accessibility? Yeah, well, I guess when it comes to voice technology, right now it's all about the fun stuff, right? Accessing music, you know, movies, buy stuff, you know, check the weather, you know, it, it's it's the fun, entertaining stuff. But when you look at the at the future and what 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 can happen, you know, you could you know picture booking appointments or when there's driverless cars out there, you know, call you know speaking into your voice assistant, say hey hey whomever, you know, pick me up to take me to my job for shopping. Like there's just so much there. And then there's the two-way communication aspect where there's discussions and, and people numerous TED Talks on this, where they talk about vocal biomarkers, where the the technology is able to understand through the tone of your voice or how your voice sounds, whether or not, you know, you're ill. So just picture, you know, waking up, hi, Google, and oh, hey, Matt, or hey, Ed, you sound stuffy today. Would you like to call a doctor? Like, you can see where, where, where it can go. And and I guess another thing, as, as you know, as I think about the future with this, you know, is is the is companionship. So I, and I think of my daughter and what, you know, and I hear of stories from other people who have Down syndrome. School, very inclusive, lots of activities, friends, lots of fun, lots of interactions and, and, and participation. But then as, as someone graduates from school, you know, things start to taper off a bit. And especially if, you know, your friends have moved on to school and you're not, you're not taking, you're not going to school or you're not working or whatever. So there's, there tends to be a dip when it comes to companionship. So not to say that this would replace humans, but if it becomes more of a two-way communication technology and it, it won't be one way. And, and, you know, I think that would contribute to fighting against someone feeling like they're isolated or, or lonely. So not to say that it would replace human voices, but there would be that two-way communication that I think would be highly beneficial. And maybe particularly in those Canadian winners. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, how old are you, Matt? 
I am 30 right now. And so my question for you with technology is, obviously, there's been great leaps and bounds in technology over the last 30 years. How has technology changed your life and your experiences? I love technology, really. Um, seems to me that uh, I use it a lot. So mostly it changed my life because it's really helped me look for different recipes on cooking and stuff. So it's like telling me how I can be independent and it'll help me to learn that I can use and type in and then talking. Yeah, and just further to that, you know, having hung around with Matt and, and lots of people with Down syndrome in their late teens and, and early 20s, you know, the reliance on their phone is the same as, as a typical person. So it's staying connected. It, it's it's looking it's for rest. Like if I had a quick text to add, I just to my phone to do a quick text to add. Instead of me just doing a big, long text by hand, I just do my voice instead. Yeah, which is, you know, the same as any other typical person would want to communicate short to the point using text. So I don't see a difference. And there is just that reliance of technology to stay connected with friends and families as a key driver for this. Well, I guess the reason why I was so interested, Matt, in uh, what technologies and how they've changed for you is because our son Liam is 10 years old. And so our experience as parents uh, have, you know, we've fought for Liam's education. We're constantly advocating for equality, mostly right now because he's 10 with his education. And one of the things that has always brought me hope was technology and how it's changing to equalize the, the playing field for my son and, and the hope that what's out there, like uh, Ed, you had mentioned the self-driving cars that brings me joy to think about. So I wanted to try to understand or have a picture of uh, how that's changed for you just in, in your journey over the last 30 years. Yeah. I mean, I, I yes, definitely for my activities for the day, having to keep track on things that uh, I might forget. Yeah, it really helped a lot since I used my phone a lot. Oh, my cool. So, yeah. And, and how would you feel if, you know, you didn't have your phone or the, the internet connection was down? I'd be lost if I, if I don't have any technology. <laughs> well, that's true for so many of us, right? I mean, it's the world. To my point, it's the same as everybody. No, I love that. It, I love that it's opening so many uh, opportunities. Yeah, I just see it as the new trigger. Like, like, like I said, it replaces the keyboard. So, you know, when you always he- when you hear about the Internet of Things where, you know, your refrigerator is going to be hooked up to the Internet or, or whatever, it's just it just seems like, you know, as scary a technology may seem when you think about the future. I'm very hopeful that technology will allow my daughter to show all her abilities and, and her to be a, a fully contributing member of society the way she wants it to be. So, and that's, at the end of the day, that's what we all want. We want to be contributors to society. And, you know, if there is something that is able to level the playing field, then I'm all for it. Absolutely. It really does bring me so much hope with the technology and, and even just the changes that Liam has experienced even with this um, homeschooling 
I, I find that he's progressing more because he can go online and it, you know, today he signed up for summer school and the Down syndrome didn't even come into play until he logged in and the teacher saw them. So it eliminated all of the other uh, misconceptions that people might have and their want to put him in a certain box. Nobody, nobody knew. So he just jumped right in with everybody else, which I feel is how it should be. Yeah. I think you're going to, we're going to find, you know, given the current situation with COVID-19 is that, we're going to have a new normal and I think even a greater reliance on technology in order to stay connected and to learn and to entertain and, and communicate. So technology isn't going anywhere <laughs> and voice will be, in my opinion, the, the dominant trigger to that technology. Well, one of the first videos I saw uh, after learning about Project Understood was a video that you and Matt did which was a virtual presentation to the UN which was pretty fascinating and exciting I, I bet for you guys specifically Matt can you tell me about that experience it was a really good experience um, during a virtualized uh, UN I went year before to the UN in New York so it was fun doing a different way because it's online so it's fun recording it with Ed and our message that we sent gave a great impact through this project. Yeah, it was uh, unfortunate that we weren't able to go there in person to present you know, this project, but we were glad that we were able to participate via video. And yeah, as Matt said, he was there a few years back in person, actually communicating our, our first campaign. So it was just great to promote this campaign, this project, on a global scale, you know, via the United Nations. So it's, you know, it's a personal thrill for me, obviously. And it's the second time around for Matt. So it's no big deal, I would assume. Right, Matt? Been there, done that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we had kind of touched on it before about perceptions of Down syndrome. What, What particularly do you think of as perceptions you'd like to change about Down syndrome? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's about people first. So, you know, when I think of my daughter or, or Matt, Down syndrome is a part of them, but it doesn't define who my daughter is or who Matt is. So, you know, it's really, you know, at a bare, at the, at the bare minimum is like, it's a person. We're all people. We're people first. And there are lots of different people out there with lots of different abilities. So before having my daughter and, you know, I didn't know much about Down syndrome, but, you know, the things that I probably thought about when I thought about Down syndrome were the the limitations or what a person with Down syndrome can't do since having my daughter and obviously, you know, meeting lots of people with Down syndrome like Matt and, and seeing their abilities has changed my perception that need to focus on the abilities and there's lots of abilities and it's just a matter of raising the bar and and giving them the opportunity to to reach those abilities sometimes people with down syndrome need a little bit of help on certain things just like anyone else but you know with the right resources and support you know they can conquer many of those challenges that they're often faced with and maybe weren't able to overcome in the past so that's what 
you know, this whole journey has taught me in terms of, 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 you know, people first and, you know, not only within the Down syndrome community, it's, it's everyone. And, you know, what we're going, what we're seeing right now, what we're going through right now in terms of, um, what's happening, um, uh, across, uh, North America in terms of some of the protests echoes that, you know, we're all people. We all should be treated equally with dignity, respect, and we need to be aware that you know, there isn't one typical person. There are lots of different people in this world. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing time because I, I see true change, and this is, this is part of it, this project. Matt, do you have similar uh, thoughts in, in, in what perceptions you may be breaking through with this project and just with your life? Yeah, um, I know that we all might be different, but we all can make a difference. And I'm always saying that every time because it is making a difference. We are people first, like Ed said. Um, I want people to see that uh, things that we can do and things that we can't do. And most of the things that we can't do, we can do. Matt, how often are people surprised when they find out that you live on your own with some roommates? I'm always surprised being on my own, being independently. Then I'm picking through burials. How often are people surprised when they find out that, you know, you've held the same job for, is it 12 years now? Yep. Yeah, or I don't know if you saw one of the videos for Project Understood, but, you know, Matt rides his, his bike to work to check his schedule and to work. And he was also riding one of the Google bikes at, uh, at the Google campus. And that surprised a lot of people. Again, it's just, you know, it, it's just changing the, the perceptions of, of what the bill, that we do. can do stuff that we can do and stuff that we can change people the experience of what we can do. The turning point for me after having my daughter was going, so every year um, or in the past, the Canadian Down Syndrome Society does a conference every year where people from all over Canada come to to the conference uh, for over a weekend. And that was, you know, my first conference. I had just joined the board and um, I was actually working the Canadian Down Syndrome Society booth. Like there's a number of booths, kind of like a trade show style format. And I was sitting down with uh, Nick, who's one of the members of the VADA team. Uh, and at the time, he would have been early 20s. And, you know, this was really the first time that I actually sat down and, and spoke with someone with Down syndrome who was, who was an adult. And, you know, this is like my daughter. I think she would have been like four months old or five months old. And... That I'll never forget that conversation because what I learned from that conversation, you know, after talking to, to Nick for over an hour is he wants the same things as anybody else. We, you know, we talked yeah. about music, you know, we talked about girls and, you know, he talked about wanting to move out and get married and have a girlfriend and, and, you know, getting close to a girl and all those kind of things. And it was like, what, that was a typical conversation with, I could have had with any 22 year old or however old he was there. So to me, that really just opened, opened my mind to say, you know what, similar to a typical person, Nick, in that case, wants, has the same hopes, wants, and dreams 
as anyone else. And, you know, even spending lots of time with Matt over the past year with, with, uh, with Project Understood, you know, it was very same, same feeling in terms of, you know, Matt wants a paycheck. He wants to pay taxes. He wants to live on his own. He wants to have relationships. It's, it's the same as anybody else. Matt, first of all, I, I love as a parent, and I'm going to come more away from the technology side as the parent side of, of our podcast, because I have a lot of questions myself whenever I'm watching uh, just with all the changes that are going on. And I just, I want to say that I, I love that you're out there and people are seeing Ed, as you said, Matt has a job and he's had it for 12 years and Matt rides his bike to work. And I, you know, some of my frustration as a parent sometimes will be that this is a surprise to people. Um, and that can be, I can't, I can't imagine your experience, Matt, if every time I did something, people were blown away by it. So that's my question. If, you know, if you could talk a little bit more on your experience, even when you were younger and, and went to school, because I know things have changed since, since you were, you know, in elementary school or middle school or high school. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that because I personally find it very interesting. Yeah. You know, I remember that the different things that I did when I was in, Elementary school. I met the closest friends when I was a kid. Um, stuff that I learned that I didn't learn now is trust math, like doing math and stuff. When I was a kid, my dad, my mom, and my stepdad and them taught me how to do dot math, and knew my, nobody knew what that meant. So when I did the dot math in class and they saw me what I was doing, they looked at me saying, "What the heck are you doing?" And I said, I'm doing dot math. And at the end of that, they told me that, can you teach us that? And at that point, they were so surprised that another way to do math is that way. So I made a great friends for doing that. And the other friends now come up to me and said, Matt, thank you for changing my life. You really helped me a lot when you were a kid. Don't change yourself. And that's how I come from now to tell them that do not estimate who people are and stuff like that when you're kids yeah that that's a great example where you know matt just needed to be taught a little bit differently uh to you know to adapt to the way matt learns and of course you know he was able to to learn so it's it's having that awareness that you know as i mentioned you know people some people may need, you know, may need to be taught in a different manner or using a different resource or more visuals than words. I'm just making up examples, yeah. but it's, it's, we need to kind of think beyond there's only one way of, of, of doing things. And, and speaking of school, like even Matt, he went to college and he lived yeah. in residence. So again, when I, when I found that out, you know, as you mentioned, Lori, it's like, wow, you know, when I, when I hear things like that, it's like, okay, well, my daughter should, Maybe my daughter can do that. You know, maybe my daughter can can live on her own and 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 go hop on her bike to check work work schedule and 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 go to school. So it's just very very comforting to see that. And that's you know one of the roles of of, of the VADA committee that I spoke about before, where Matt sits on. It, it's to give inspiration to especially those new parents who you know they're they're going through 
lots in their head in terms of what the future will hold and what you know what will you know what what what's going to come out of all this and seeing those real life examples it, it's it's very motivating and and again going back to that first conference that I went to um, when my daughter was 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 four months old at the time we only had two kids but seeing families where you know you know that had people with Down syndrome and, and typical people and interacting and siblings and sibling rivalry it's all the same like it, you know whether whether you have Down syndrome or not you're going to be happy sad you're going to fight with your brother and sister you're going to I don't want to watch something on TV. So seeing that interaction was like, okay, it's just, we're going to be just like any other family and, uh, you know, we'll turn out okay. So it's just, but we need to continue to raise awareness on the abilities and what someone with Down syndrome can do versus what they can't do so that we were ones to help raise the bar and, and achieve those, those, larger milestones because it's not that long ago where the bar was very very low so we all can appreciate that bar has risen and there's lots of opportunity for it to go even higher i think what is so great about seeing these examples because i know that when my son was born there weren't a lot of examples i don't even think no i'll take that back there were really no examples out there because i went and i did research and there was nothing very hopeful and i think what having these examples to where more people see the capabilities and the changes. I think it's more the change of perception than, than the abilities, because I believe that the abilities were always there. It's just how they were limited in society. I think that takes away a lot of the fear. And, and what I experienced as a, a new parent was not, not only just the fear of being a new parent, like I was with my daughter, but there was so much unknown and the only known was stuff that really kind of put fear in, in our hearts because it was limits. And I, and I love that, you know, that's one thing I said to my husband when Liam was born is just like Sophia will go to college if she chooses, Liam's going to go to college if that's what he wants to do. But it wasn't a norm that was out there. It was something that, you, you weren't given that you it was almost like I was stomping my foot in the ground and it shouldn't be that way no even for me when when Lori would say that I, I went oh okay I mean but did I really believe it not initially because I was brought up to think of someone with Down syndrome as limited I wasn't <laughs> Lori was not so she really has brought this great positive attitude that it's only gonna you know if you if we told our typical daughter that you're not going to college because she couldn't because she'd be unable to do it, then right there I'm limiting her, and she may not go to college for that very reason. So having these positive attitudes and telling everyone what they can do, just like how you said, Matt, what can you do, not what you can't do, that's going to really make everybody rise to that that higher bar that you talked about, Ed. Yeah, and it just goes back to, and again, this applies to uh, everyone, is just, you know, not shutting the door on people and, and, and creating those opportunities where doors are open so that, you know, someone has the opportunity to, to see what's on that, you know, on the other side of the door there, you know, going back to, you know, how I think about the future all the time. I'm hopeful as well. You know, and I, you know, Liam, you said Liam is 10 years old. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, my daughter Emma is six. So 
they're going to go through school, you know, for the most part, very inclusive classrooms, and, and they're going to be surrounded by peers and, and their classmates and friends who, you know, I'm hopeful that they see Emma as Emma and not, you know, Emma the Down Syndrome kid. But those classmates, those friends who are very young right now, they're our future leaders. They're the future bosses. They're the future HR departments. And I'm hopeful that to them it, it isn't – it will not be a great leap I'm hoping it happens much sooner than than, than that, but it's it, it's not a big leap to to be diverse and to be inclusive, you know, beyond school and especially when it comes to work, because I think you know there's lots of opportunity there. I think you know today a lot of companies feel that yes, you know, we need diversity not only from you know um, physical, um, you know, just all all walks of life. But I think a lot of people are held up on the how, how to do it, you know, what supports are in place to, to get that done. So I'm hopeful that we will overcome that. But, uh, you know, that's a huge area that, you know, I'd like to like to see some some progress made on. Agreed. And I think that's the that's the whole advocacy for inclusion is because it does start at the foundation of having having society just be inclusive. So everything is accept just you just accepted you're just it's just there and let's start from that even playing field as we are who we are and everybody is different and everyone has something to contribute right matt can i ask you when you were in school did you uh, attend in an inclusive classroom in high school yes many times i uh took everyday life math and that taught me a lot of stuff that i didn't know like now i do now but I took stuff that I didn't know I could do before, but when I did, I loved it. How did you feel going into the inclusive classroom, or how were you accepted then? What was that experience? Maybe because my fifth group had friends that knew, knew me. Maybe that's one of the reasons why, but, but then sports was, was when I was thrived in because I wanted to make a change, so I started to work for student council. And I did one little word that made everybody thought, who is that on the microphone? And I said, my speech, I said, I might be different, but I could make a difference. And that's when I knew it. Everybody in the school said, wow, that's Matthew? Like, I made my day. And then I made the student council that way. Because of them seeing behind my ability and see the person forth. I hope you don't mind if I steal that motto. Uh, I might be different, but I can make a difference. That's fantastic. <laughs> we got to copyright that one. Trademark it. Make a t-shirt. Right. Uh, Matt, what, what college did you go to? I'm so, I'm Fleming College in Peterborough. Peterborough, Ontario, which is about, oh. Two hours away from Toronto. Yeah, two hours east of Toronto, Ontario. And, and what did you study in college? So, in that um, class, they had a, a class called CICE, Co-op Integrated Through Co-op Education. So I was going for uh, Rec and Leisure, so Rec. Oh, Rec, yeah. And that's, so like, you know, Matt's college, like that's, from his house, that'd be like four hours away. So we're not talking like right around the corner from, from the parents' house where they can check out on that. He was, he was uh, far away and he got it done. Living on campus, right? Living on campus, going the bus routes, 
Can I ask a little bit about your experience going into going into the classroom? How you um, in college? Yeah, in college. I'll let I'll let you talk on what that experience was like when you first went. My first experience going into the classroom that uh, I didn't know anybody, so uh, I just went in as a student and sit down, listen to the teacher. If somebody came and talked to me, I talked to them. Um, Signed up for like bus buddies, so somebody in there who was my bus buddy would be there to talk to. And they would show me what friends to talk to and be in the right path of who I talked to to get help for homework and stuff. What was the what was the reception? Were teachers surprised or were some of your classmates surprised that you were there or about your abilities? Yeah, exactly. Some of the classes I took, um, I was talking about Down syndrome for my classmates. And uh, first I was kind of telling myself that I can't talk to the classmates and telling them what Down really is. And uh, I was happy that I could give them good information what Down syndrome was. And exactly, I made a friend who kind of helped me with the project. And I was happy because it really turned out as a uh, great project at the end of the day. Matt has a very engaging personality, as you can probably tell, and and uh, you know he's easy to talk with. He you know he he can joke around like the best of them, and like I say, he's a big sports fan. You know, don't get him started on the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey team. So like you know, it's it's easy to have a conversation with Matt. So I can only I haven't I wasn't there when when Matt went to college, but I can just only assume based on how I know what I know about Matt and how I how I know Matt that. You know, he would have no problem talking with people, interacting, and, and making lots of friends. So I can, you know, when he when he talks about, you know, breaking down some barriers, I can see that those barriers going down very early in, in his when he went to college, and you know, they saw Matt as Matt versus something else. So I took a project because I was asking to do a uh, an essay. So I said to myself, I would like to do a compare. Down some stereotypes and Aboriginal stereotypes. And I wrote into a good um, essay and uh, I turned it in and the teacher's like, that's amazing. So I got an 85 because of that uh, essay. Turned that into a blog for the Canadian Down Syndrome. Oh, that's fantastic. I'd love to get a link to your blog. I, took, I would put that on, on the show notes if anyone wants to read that. And going back to Project Understood, this technology will help people blog as well. Of course. We always like to ask a question to our guests. Uh, the podcast is called If We Knew Then, and it's, it's from a parent's perspective usually. Um, just usually it's, it's I wouldn't have worried so much in the past if I had known things, and that's probably universal in any, in any capacity or any subject that you, you could talk about, any experience you're going to have. But maybe I can direct this to Ed first. Would you have an If You Knew Then statement to make? Yeah, a good, good question. Uh, if I knew then, well... Things are going to be okay. Isn't that fun? Funny how um, at the beginning of a journey, you uh, have all these questions and the unknown, and it's just human behavior, possibly, and also just the information we have. The unknown's sometimes so scary, and when you have sometimes negative input or negative information that you get to, your mind even expands that and makes it where you're really fearful. And I believe that all this positive positive things that we're putting out that the 
project is putting out is really going to change the initial thoughts uh, for parents in particularly when they find out they're going to have a child with Down syndrome. Yeah. And in fact, you know, that was really the first campaign we did you know, three or four years ago called Down Syndrome Answers, where, you know, I can go through my experience, which is very similar with a lot of people is, you know, once you find out whether, you know, uh, prenatal or at birth, you know, it's just, it hits you like a brick wall because you didn't expect it. And then what do you do? You go online and you search for answers and you get a wide range of information. And, you know, some of it, a lot of it focuses on the limitations versus the potential. And so we created a campaign called Down Syndrome Answers where we actually looked at, you know, what are the most asked questions on Google when it comes to Down syndrome? You know, how long does a person with Down syndrome live? Can someone with Down syndrome ride a bike? drink alcohol, a number of questions. And what we did is have people with Down syndrome record answers to those questions. So not only we're trying to, you know, squash some myths and stereotypes, but seeing and hearing the answer said by someone with Down syndrome obviously puts a, a human aspect to it. And, you know, going back to what I said, you know, things will be okay. Seeing it in that context, you know, it's not a cold piece of paper or a cold piece of text that you're reading and trying to understand, well, how does this apply to me? Seeing someone giving you a, a heartfelt response makes a big difference in, in how you're getting that information. So yeah, that's, that's another campaign you can check out. A lot of these campaigns you can find on the, the Canadian Down Syndrome Society website, uh, cdss.ca. I'll look that up. And if, if I, if I do have a problem getting it out, I'll, I'll make sure I get the link from you because that's that's definitely something we'd love to promote matt do you have an if you knew then were there were there times matt where you maybe when you were younger you felt that oh i can't do this that's a very good question public speaking was the toughest thing i ever done when i kept going like back then i didn't know how to do public speaking and now look at me right now so i think public speaking helps me now and that like, if I could think not then that how I can speak clearly enough to talk to people. And you were, you were a little nervous when you first started public speaking? Yes. I think everyone is. That's one of the, the scariest things you can do, you know, listed, listed under, like, being a fighter pilot trying to land a plane on an aircraft carrier. That can be really nerve-wracking. Yep. What helped you with your public speaking? Well, technology is the one thing that helped me with my uh, speaking. Because as you guys know now, I'm mumbling, but trying to figure out a good answer to answer the questions and speed up my answers. So those kind of things that helped me to calm down and think before I say stuff. And I think the more the more speaking engagement you have, Matt, the better you get at it. So, yeah. you know, with your with your work with VADA and you know, you're oftentimes even you know, going back to some of those conferences, you're you're up on the stage with a microphone, or you're you're leading a, a discussion with your peers. So, I think you've because you've had so many opportunities to speak, you know, you're much better at it. Just like yeah. you know anyone else, it's all about repetition. Matt, can I ask you? You know, Liam, he's cognitively there as far as speaking but his expressive language is comes in a little bit slower and we work on that and we assist him with speech 
as a parent talking to you who you, you speak very eloquently and I love I love to listen to you talk. Um, can you tell me as far as advice, something that helped you with speaking? Is there an app or is there a book or is there something that you use that, that help you to develop your speech? thing that helps me with is my mind. Really, it does know yourself. So it would take time, but I believe that uh, it would take patience, really. Just keep what you're doing, and I feel that at the end of the year, go in the future, I feel like would be a great person to talk to. Mm-hmm. Was it frustrating for you as your speech was coming in? Yeah. And what what helped with the frustration just as as uh you know just as someone who's I'm supporting my son to develop his speech what helped you with that frustration parents um friends all helped me with my speech and coworker like Ed helped me talk someone who's me knew what I'm talking about and not finished my sentence I always say that uh, the always support out there for speaking and Ed's always one who always helps me sometimes and the most. So thanks, Ed. <laughs> yeah, Matt's not afraid to to speak his mind, so we just have to give people like Matt the opportunity to speak and to be heard and to stop and listen and, you know, not cutting off or not trying to say what you think Matt wants to say. Matt knows what he wants to say. Let him say it. So it's just... If I mess up, I mess up. You can always say it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad we were able to bring you guys together and, and have you guys talk to each other a little bit. I know you, you guys don't live next door to each other, obviously. Yeah, we're about an hour and a half away. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with this Project Understood campaign, I was very adamant. To, uh, you know, we needed Matt to be a big part of this. And I'm just very happy the way everything turned out. Ed, um, your journey with your daughter over the last six years is there anything that you'd, you'd like to share or whether it be personal or just, uh, you know? I'm, I'm very, very, very hopeful for the future. Like I've, I've seen how my daughter thrives in school and in social settings. And, you know, the thing that she does, like, you know, I don't see Emma as someone down syndrome. I just see Emma as Emma. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, well, I, you know, there are things that, I still think about about the future. I'm not. I'm not fearful. Well, I have. I've just enjoyed speaking to the both of you for so many reasons. I I love what you're doing with Project Understood. Um, I I think it was like a year and a half ago. Stephen was talking about technology and AI, and that was a big concern because as as they were talking about you know getting voices into technology he brought up what about um, AI advocacy for Down syndrome is what I wrote down in my in my goals was that was because I I'm kind of a tech guy and so I said that need, there needs to be a representation for Down syndrome in AI so we were so excited when we heard about your project because we know the advances of technology and and we know how technology opens up so many possibilities um, so on that level with your project, it's been great. And I love putting the information out there because I think it's a beacon of hope. And I think that the more hope we can get to other parents and 
you know, um, adults living with Down syndrome and kids in school with Down that that's hope. That's, you know, the, there's, there's people on your side and we know what we can do. And, and I love it. I love that the word is being put out there. And then on a personal level to hear Ed, your experience as another parent and your honesty, I appreciate it. Um, because being a parent, even just seeing you, you know, I'm four years down the line from you. I love, I always love to hear how things change. And when you're talking about having an inclusive classroom as a given, that makes me so happy because Liam's inclusive classroom was not a given and we had to fight really hard um, to, to make that happen. So I love that now, four years later, that's just something that happens. And Matt, Matthew, thank you so much for sharing because you give me so much hope as for my son uh, to know, you know, that you're out there and you're doing it. And what needs to happen is everybody needs to see and know that you're out there and you're doing it and everybody can be out there doing it. And, um, and it's the, having the support. And so I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing your stories because as a parent, it just, it makes me happy. It really does. And, you know, vehicles like your podcast allows Matt to tell his story and people hear Matt's story so we're all in this together yep Ed, Matt thank you for joining us it's been a pleasure talking with you today thank you very much for having us part of your podcast thank you for having us please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod or visit our website ifweknewthen.com to send us an email with questions and comments And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then.